Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, near the very end, chapter 30, beginning in verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and abundance, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in God's ways, and observing God's commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying God, and holding fast to God. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I once read that to God we are pure potential. Potential, promise, the possibilities with which God is creating God's future. Or as the Apostle Paul put it in the First Corinthians text that Caroline read, you are God's field, God's building. It's an odd image, God's field. When I picture it, though, the metaphor grows clearer. Picture the fields that you have seen, even just speeding past them in your car. With some fields, it's obvious how their potential is being brought forth. A field with long rows of tall plants topped with tassels, that field will bring forth corn. A field given over to a festival of colors and the hum of bees, that field will bring forth wildflower honey. With other fields, nothing is currently evident. It's all invisible potential, a field covered with snow, a field left fallow between crops. You are God's field. However obvious or invisible your potential is, you are possibility and promise that God can work with. And that is no small thing. I mean, consider the scale at which God can work with potential, creating order out of chaos, recreating life out of the tomb, creating community out of isolated individuals. It's a big deal to be God's field. And you are also, Paul tells us, God's building. In addition to being potential for whatever crops God is cultivating, you are God's building. You are an endeavor planned, designed, constructed by God. I wonder if you've ever been aware of that process going on, if you've ever felt God building you, building y'all. Perhaps you've witnessed it happening when the children come forward to the steps, 
Perhaps you've heard it when stories are shared down in Fellowship Hall. I see it around here all the time, and I know it's being seen right now among our mission trip participants. I pray we all notice the way God is building us individually and communally. Now, whether you are more comfortable with the notion of being God's field or being God's building, Paul's point is that you are God's, God's very own. We belong to God. Paul is reminding the Christians in Corinth that they do not belong to him, the one who planted their church, nor to his successor, Apollos, the one who tended their church. Instead, they belong to God, the one who gives them life and growth. Paul's famous assertion, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth, should be a touchstone for every pastor and perhaps a particular favorite for interim pastors. So let me take a moment to riff on Paul's statement because this matters. Morningside Presbyterian Church and each member of this community of faith does not belong to Joanna Adams or to Chris Henry, not to Baron Mullins or to Drew Stockstill, not to Emma or to Jonathan or to Amanda or to Lee or even to the next pastor whom we're all craning our necks to see coming around the bend. Morningside Presbyterian and every member of it, we all belong to God. You are God's field, God's building. You are God's very own. Interestingly, as Paul is emphasizing that everything is God's, Paul is also recognizing that human activity is part of God's process. Yes, the field belongs to God, but people who plant and people who water are actively working there. And in all of this, the old song, I'm working on a building, just keeps running through my head. And the version of that song that this Nashville girl knows goes something like this. I'm working on a building, I'm working on a building, I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building, it's a Holy Ghost building, it's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on the building but it's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord. It's God's building. I'm just working on it, but I am working on it. I am part of God's process. This morning's Hebrew Bible passage has me looking at that idea from a different angle, from the angle of choosing. Moses is reminding the Israelites that they are God's people because of their covenant with God and the law God has given them. God's people, God's covenant, God's law. The Hebrews have been in the wilderness for 40 years, and during that time, God has been working with their potential, cultivating them like a field, constructing them like a building, transforming them from people who saw themselves as slaves to people who know themselves as God's very own. And now Moses, the worker whom God has used in this work, Moses is retelling them their long history with God. Our name for this book, Deuteronomy, reflects this. It's related to words like duet, Deuteronomy, 
means the second giving of the law, because in this book Moses repeats the law, gives it a second hearing, and Moses reinterprets the law, giving it a second meaning. As the people prepare to cross the Jordan River and enter the promised land without Moses. So this is his farewell address. And he has been at it for 29 chapters. <laughs> Never complain about a Morningside sermon being too long. Moses finally brings the message home. And it feels a lot like a parent trying to cram every important life lesson into that final moment before releasing a child into the world. Remember your manners. Remember to change the oil. Remember what we talked about. Remember that we love you. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You are God's. Now go and act like it. Moses has been reviewing big stuff nothing less than the Exodus and the Ten Commandments. He's covered a lot of ground. But here he sums it all up as a straightforward choice. Life and abundance versus death and adversity. If you obey God, which Moses boils down to love God, walk in God's ways, and follow God's rules, then you will live in blessing. On the other hand, if as the text puts it, your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall perish. While reviewing the Israelites' history, Moses couldn't help noticing that times had been good for them when they'd focused on loving God and walking in God's ways and following God's rules, and times had been bad, bad, bad when they had served false gods. So Moses looks out over these people that he's led and he urges them, choose well, choose. This Deuteronomy passage emphasizes our choice. The first Corinthians passage tells us that we are God's field, God's building. Well, no field ever chose who would cultivate it, and no building ever chose who would construct it. That is a matter of whose we are. This, this call to choose, this is a matter of who we are, a matter of how we live into whose we are. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord and yet I'm working on it when I choose well. And here let me admit that I sometimes wish God would just get over the whole free will thing. Just make us do right. Enough already with the choosing, because we can mess it up. But God is not into coercing, not into bullying. God invites us incites us, entices us to choose abundant life. And yet the choice of perishing remains. So what does it look like to choose perishing? Moses describes it as, your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, which is to say, idolatry. There are many theologians who consider that the foundational sin. The worship of anything 
other than God. Your heart turns away. You do not hear. You are led astray to serve other gods. You know, maybe that's one specific choice, but it really sounds like a sequence of choices of gradually losing our bearings, incrementally drifting away from fullness of life with God. It's almost sleepwalking. And I don't, I don't have to tell you that it goes on every day. It's there when we choose how we treat loved ones or strangers. It's there when we choose how we make money and how we use money. It's there when we turn a blind eye to what we know would grieve God's eye. It's there if we choose consuming over caring, if we choose power, profit, prestige over righteousness. It's there if we worship anything other than God. So what does it instead look like to choose life and abundance? Loving God, following God's ways, obeying God's rules. Well, it means gratefully recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God. And so we generously love all our neighbors and honestly pray for all our enemies. Maybe it means choosing to focus on the people around us instead of on the devices we carry with us. Maybe it means choosing to persist in hope rather than slump into cynicism or despair. We can do it because we belong to God. We are God's field, God's building, God's people, God's very own. And yet God somehow gives us free will to choose God's ways, caring for those in pain, giving to those in need, working for justice and mercy and truth, choosing that instead of turning away from God to serve false gods and submitting ourselves to all that lesser stuff. Last Sunday, 10 individuals chose to join this congregation as we journey together day by day, season by season, striving to choose God's way. And this Sunday, two of those new members, Megan and James Mitchell, choose to bring their infant son, John, to be baptized. It is one choice of life and abundance, an acknowledgement that John is God's. And in the promises which we, in the presence of God, will make to John and to Megan and to James, we too are choosing to do our part in this particular example of working on a building for the Lord. Because when we truly live what we say in baptism, we are choosing well. Church, you are potential. You are God's potential, God's people. Choose to live that. Choose life as God's very own. Choose not to bow to any other gods. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You are God's. Go act like it. Amen.